Welcome you to From the Beginning, my podcast. You know, I was looking back, and there have been many, many memorable moments in my life, and and I'm planning on there being many more. 
The birth of uh, my boys rank among uh, the highest memorable moments. Sam, my oldest, was was eight weeks premature. We'd gone to the hospital because my singing partner, Eddie Johnson, and his wife, Andy, uh, were having a baby. And um, so we went collectively to the hospital, and then all of a sudden, Barbara went into labor. And they said they tried to stop it. But uh, Sam was born eight weeks premature and weighed about four and a half pounds, and now he's six four and a strapping young man. Well, you middle aged man, <laughs> but uh, but he made it. And uh, son number two, Matt. Matt was a forced C section. It was my first time to go into a C section and watch it. Um, and it's not gentle. It's nurses' knees up on the woman, and oh my goodness, they they when they they pulled out my boy Matt and handed him to me, and he was I thought he was an alien. He was blue, totally blue, because he hadn't gone down through the birthing canal, and um, and then I watched pink start at the heart and I, I watched actually the blood circulate. It was a really cool thing and uh, it was the first of a couple of C-sections that uh, I actually walked in and was in there as they did the whole surgery. Hunter Hunter was uh, an emergency C-section the placenta was below him and it was time for him to come so that was another visual in in the operating room. And uh, so just a little note, um, after Hunter was born, they removed or took out the uh, uterus, which looked like a football and had fibroids on it. And then the doctor said, well, we're going to cut these fibroids off before we slip it back inside her. And I'm thinking, holy cow. And uh, I said, let me just take a look inside, you know, her open belly. And uh, I said, so what are those little white things there? And he said, oh, well, those are our ovaries. So I feel like, you know, at the time I felt like, um, wow, you know, I've I've actually opened up a lot of deer and elk and taken out their insides. And now I'm actually looking inside a person. It was really a, a strange, a strange feeling that I had. But it was cool at the same time, and Hunter's Hunter's well. Hunter is six foot eight, and uh, lives in New York, and he writes uh, scripts for Marvel, so he's doing really well. And the last one was Garen, and um, Garen was born. Um, his mom wanted to go to New York because I was uh, playing in Long Island, so we went, got a hotel room in Manhattan, and then the day of uh, the show, uh, we moved over to Long Island, and, and um, she was uh, eight months pregnant, and she said she was uh, feeling, uh, she was having contractions, and I said, well, it's probably Braxton Hicks. You just need to go to the new hotel room. We went in, and I said, take a warm bath, relax. I got to go to soundcheck. So I'm at soundcheck, and uh, this somebody comes up and gives me a note, and it says, uh, your wife is in uh, labor, and she's taken uh, an ambulance to the hospital. And I thought, oh, no, here we go. So I went to uh, left soundcheck, 
Went to the hospital, and um, the doctor told me, said, well, she's in labor and she's dilated, but this baby is not going to be born until probably 3 or 4 in the morning. So you can go do your show. <laughs> so I went back. Bobby Gerboff was there and acting as a road manager, and uh, I did the show, and then I told him uh, uh, we, I was scheduled to uh, go and do a turkey hunt the following day in Missouri. And Elizabeth had said, hey, go ahead, I'll be fine. I got, I got my mom coming in, and Matt's going to be here. I'll be fine. So um, the next day we had a show in Dallas. I'm sorry, it was the following day I was going to go. And she told me, don't worry about coming back. So after the gig in Dallas, I told Bobby, I said, you need to book me on a plane back tomorrow. I just have this feeling. And I got back to my hotel room, and the light was beeping, and it was, yeah, you need to go back. And so I went back to New York, and um, Garen... Garen was, uh, you know, he was a preemie. He was a, he was a, a, a conehead. They had to take the suction and put it on his head and extract him out because Elizabeth couldn't push him out. Put something on his head and sucked him out. And I, I really, it was a interesting, interesting uh, experience watching that. And he looked like a conehead. But all four boys turned out good. Although Garen was... Um, uh, once again, a preemie. He was uh, four and a half pounds and was uh, in a basically an incubator. And Elizabeth, while I was in uh, Dallas, she uh, checked into a five star hotel and brought her mom and and uh, Matt up. And um, but it was what it was. And and Garen now, of course, is uh, twenty two. So things have changed a lot. They they were all. They're, they're all doing well. But when I look back on uh, memorable moments in my life, there were, I, I'm, I'm going to go all the way back to uh, elementary school. And um, I don't remember my first grade teacher at all. We moved a couple of times during that year. But my second grade teacher was Miss Fincher. And uh, I remember her because we learned the Pledge of Allegiance. And in, during that year, after we'd learned it and was saying it every day, we stopped one day and the teacher said, okay, now we have to add this. And it was, in God we trust, which was added when I was in the second grade. And it's really my only distinct memory of the second grade and the third grade uh, Miss Scherzinger was uh, probably my sweetest teacher. Uh, Miss Craighead in the fourth grade, we had a uh, we were learning our mul multiplication tables, and I remember everybody during that that day. Or I say everybody. A lot of a lot of a lot of boys liked uh, these model airplanes. You know, you buy kits, and uh, so she she brought to class and said, "We I have a model airplane kit for the first person who can." do their multiplication tables to 12. So class was over, and the ne next day we were, we were in class, and I was raising my hand, and she said, uh, what do you want, Gary? And I said, I know my multiplication tables. And she said, no, you don't. You're not ready. This happened for two days in a row, and on the third day she said, I, I was still, come on, let me, let me, <laughs> give me a shot. 
So I, I did my multiplication tables, and uh, I won the airplane. Now, I, that's the only thing that I really remember about that. Um, uh, Miss Lynch, I remember her because I took German from her, and and then we we played flag football. Our volleyball team won district. That was uh, Mr. Ray, who was my sixth grade teacher. And I move all the way up to high school. Dub Fisher was my uh, drama teacher. And I remember we did um, Oklahoma. And we were instructed that we had to develop a southern accent. We're, not, we're in Texas. We're actually further south than Oklahoma is. But it was so ridiculous. It was, I got the Kansas City on the Friday. It was so overdone. It was recorded, and I heard it later, and, and, and we laughed about it. But we also did Bye Bye Birdie. And there's a, a famous songwriter in the, in, the, in the 50s and 60s, a guy named Jerry Fuller, who wrote a bunch of songs for Ricky Nelson. Well, I'm a traveling man. I made a lot of stops. And um, anyway, his younger brother, Jimmy Fuller, was Conrad Birdie in our version of Bye Bye Birdie. And I was... Hugo, and there was a song for Hugo, Hiya, Hugo, Hiya, stupid, what you want to go get pinned for? I had a girlfriend. Well, he was moving in on her, and I was supposed to take a swing at him. In dress rehearsal, I took a swing at him and accidentally hit, and he went on with half of his lips sewed up. I think he had 17 stitches. That's what I remember about high school, especially related to music and drama. Then, of course, I went off to Cisco Junior College on a baseball scholarship, but I played football and baseball and basketball. And and the most memorable thing about it was uh, we had a, I had a great coach, Coach Purrier, and he lived in the dorm with his family. And I still talk to his boys from time to time. But he was sitting on the steps outside, and I was coming in one night, and he said, he stopped me. He said, Morris, Morris, choose one sport. When you leave here, you could be All-American if you choose one sport. And I thought to myself, and I said, I said to him, well, thanks, Coach, I appreciate that. But I thought to myself, no way would I choose just one sport. I would be, I would just be bored to death. So during my... During my sophomore year, I got a call from Eddie Johnson, who ended up being my singing partner, who I'd known since the fifth grade. He said, you want to go to Colorado? And I, I did, and that was a game changer. Um, what I learned in the first five years of playing music in Colorado at Taylor Supper Club was how to entertain people. Uh, there were the Taylors, and they were, uh, at that time, they consisted of really two guys, two front guys, uh, Buddy Green and Kenny Smith. And Kenny S Smith was a drummer and a comedian, vaudeville-type comedy. And, and Buddy Green was like a legit actor, singer, guitar player, would sing like the Man of, Le from Le uh, Man of La Mancha or Fiddler on the Roof songs. And... Um, so I really learned about entertaining during that time. I played there in Colorado for five years, basically, primarily at Taylor's Supper Club, and then I did a solo act, worked at a bar where I enjoyed the taste of alcohol quite a bit. And uh, then I uh, moved back down to Texas. 
and uh, met a guy named Lawton Williams who wrote Fraulein, and and he wanted to help me. He said, you you know, you need to go to Nashville. You need to do this and that. And then I met another guy named Bill Starnes, who was a artist manager, and and um, during during the process there, it was coming election time, uh, and it was the first time I ever really got involved politically in 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 a campaign and I did it quite by accident. I just Lloyd Benson was trying to keep Governor Carter off the ballot and I didn't really know anything about politics or either one of them but I thought now that doesn't seem it seems un-American. Why can't he be on the ballot and I contacted the head of the Democratic Party in Tarrant County and her name was Ann Merrick and she said well you can go out if you want to help and you can do um petitioning work and so so i took my little trio we went out and did half a day petitioning and thought it was over and then a couple of weeks later i got a call from a guy named jody powell and blah 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 um and frank moore who ended up being his congressional liaison so you got you got these two guys that said they heard heard that i'd done some work for the governor and wanted to hear me saying in case governor carter came to Dallas or Fort Worth. So they came They came by and we set up in an office and played a few songs and they said, can you go to Asheville, North Carolina? And I don't want to rehash everything, but I've told a lot of you about the trip. But I, we went, uh, we sang, then did the next 14 days, played election night at the Omni, played at many of the um, Democratic uh, election nights in different states. Played the Whistle Stop Tour, played Madison Square Garden, all for a guy with no record deal. And almost two years later, I got a letter from the White House inviting me to CMA night at the White House. And uh, I went, and uh, there was uh, Conway Twitty and Loretta and James Talley and Charlie Daniels and Larry Gatlin and blah, blah, blah. They all did the show, and then we went in and ate in the other room, and we came back, and then the the president said, I want y'all now to hear my favorite singer and brought me up. And it was like, oh, God, I'm going to sing for all these guys. So I sang one of my tunes, and I don't remember which one it was, but I do remember that I sang Penny Annie. It's a Larry Gatlin song, and I knew he was in the audience. You know, it's ragtag little girl with cold blue eyes and yellow hair, barely standing three feet above the ground. I really loved the song. It was uh, like the only Gatlin song, I think it was on the Pilgrim album, that I really, really dug. And then I finished and Gatlin said, that was my song, and he did it in the key of of E, and I do it in D. And I went, (laughs) I started laughing. But anyway, I left, and then I got a call from from MCA Universal, and they flew me back, and I knew... Um, they wanted me to be a new artist on on MCA, and uh, they put me with Harold Bradley, and uh, that was my first time with a producer, and I did four songs. One was a Hank Jr. song, and two were mine, and I don't remember where the other one was. Uh, in fact, I don't, I don't even have copies of any of those. And I left, and they said, we're so excited you're going to be on... Uh, on MCA Records. I got back to Colorado and got a call in two weeks saying, we're really sorry, but a new guy named Jimmy Bowen has come in and he's canceling all acts. So uh, 
I formed a band called Breakaway, and I, I pretty much said to hell with Nashville or anybody else, we're going to do this. And it was a, a country rock-ish kind of band. Had great players. Uh, Harry Bruckner was the first bass player, and he was out on the tour with me. Of course, Terry was singing. And then Steve Small, or Panama, we called him, played steel. And um, Tom Lewis p- played drums. And Johnny Neal played fiddle, and that was the first configuration. And then it changed a bit. John Macy became steel player, and John Macy had been on the road with Big Axe. And Harry Wilkinson became the drummer, and he was had been on the road with Big Axe. And um, Steve DeShulo became the bass player. And then we got this wild, crazy man called Clay Kirkland, who played the baddest harmonica you ever heard. I mean, he could play. And we were setting the place on fire. Everywhere we went was packing the, packing the place. And I brought uh, Ron Chancey out from Nashville and a couple other guys to come look at the band. And all the word was, there is no bands in country music, only solo artists. So eventually I moved out. I'm headed for a hearty Stop before it's too late It's a chance that I gotta take
to Nashville. And I signed with Warner Brothers about the same time that Alabama. In fact, we both came out at the same time, so suddenly there was a band in country music. You know, the rest is uh, musical, old news, old history at the time. First two songs went to 40, and then a song called Headed for a Heartache went top 10 and basically everything after that went top 10 so there were some there were some pretty magical moments i remember driving down the road and uh, my phone rang and it was roger miller and i had this song written by uh bob morrison and dennis lindy called the love she found in me and he said he was pulled over to the side of the road and he'd been crying he said that song was written for me and mary and uh you know just it's just a it was a memorable moment that's been years ago and um, there have been so many many memories um, about from when beneath my wings she looked into a heart so sad and saw what no one ever had the snow she saw the spring she finds good in everything
wind in, in that time period in 1983 going into 84 uh, I got a call from Warner Brothers Pop in LA and they said you got to go do this show with Linda Ronstadt in New York and I, I really wasn't interested I've told the story a thousand times that um, I turned down audition after they said another audition and I canceled and I, I didn't want to do it and finally you know, I, in September, when it was supposed to start rehearsals at the end of September, and I went up about mid-September with Howard Simpers, who was my keyboard player in my band, and I'd learned the the aria, your tiny hand aria, in the back of the bus while touring through um, the South primarily with my band. So I took Howard to New York, sang for uh, the folks. And I finished, and I went, oh, no, because I could see on their faces that, that they're going, oh, this, this, this guy can actually sing. We left. I said, I, I'm afraid of what's going to happen. And a couple of days later, they called and said, we want you to be Rodolfo. And I really, uh, it's the first opera that, you know, I, I jokingly say I've seen two operas in my life, and I was in them both. But I took the role, and I went... And there were some uh, magical moments, memorable moments in it. I'll play you something from uh, from uh, La Boheme, uh, just me, uh, a recording that I put on a hits record. Your little hand is freezing. May I hold it in my own? Your key will keep. Until the moon has shone For now be still Take a moment to rest I'll be your willing host if Your little hand is softness May I hold it yet a while Say yes And I'll tell you tales So you can get to know me So me What's first? My name My name's Rodolfo And I'm a poet Now then, what is my income? And even this I share with two men and an ape with hair. You can laugh, you don't know. I can't get any privacy. We try, 
interest and um, she's laying down in the in the bed on stage and and I'm kneeling there consoling myself I suppose and the other three main male characters are, are singing their number and the audience is crying and everybody is crying because there's this big big moment so I lean down to to Linda and I said, you know, one of the boys is going to the drugstore and he's going to get condoms. Now, should he get a three pack or do you want the daily double? Smile if you'd like a dozen. And she's laying there, you know, and just the, the sides of her mouth lifted up, just this gentle smile and closed. Now, Linda was in a, obviously in a relationship and I was trying to bust her, but it was, what I remember about Blob O.M. Plus, it was a great experience. <laughs> 